for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Here we are. We're back. Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast. We're going to continue with our 2021 MLS season preview today. We are talking CF Montreal with Tristan Demore of the Scrum Podcast and of IMFC Radio. Now, listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod, at Jake Petroba, at JJ Post, at Justin Sosa 99, and at Stephen Jodran. And don't forget to. Uh, Follow us, subscribe us, whatever you want to do on YouTube. That's Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast. Give us a, a subscription. We, uh, for the most part, stream live every Sunday night for about an hour or so. Obviously, we were recording this Sunday night, so there is no live stream uh, this Sunday as we're recording this uh, on March 21st. But make sure you subscribe to us there, like our videos, leave some comments. Come hang out with us. Come talk some U.S. soccer. So, anyway... Enough about us. Let's get to Tristan Damore. Joining us now on the show to help us preview CF Montreal. You can follow him on Twitter at Tristan Demore. It is Tristan Demore. He is the host of the Scrum Podcast and contributor to IMFC. Radio Tristan, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. How are you doing tonight? You pronounced it uh, perfectly. Uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for the invite. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, always fun to kind of get back into these previews with our MLS teams. Um, this week, if you couldn't tell by who we're who we're doing first, uh, we're gonna try and bang out the three Canadian teams, uh, starting of course with CF Montreal. Um, and Tristan, we're probably going to start with some off-season transfers and a few players who've kind of moved in and out of the squad. Um, and just to kind of get the ball rolling, one that stuck out to me uh, was Georgi Mihailovic's move from Chicago uh, to Montreal. Um, obviously, he played a big part in the Fires season last year with Wiki, you know, him being his first year as their head coach, who was like their main creator. Um, and you guys spent big on him. So I'm assuming, and you can kind of fill me in if I'm wrong here, He's going to play some type of big role as your guys' like number 10 or in his weird winger slash creative midfielder role. Yeah, definitely. I see him more as a number eight, and he took number eight uh, at, at, at CF Montreal. So, because um, the, you know, and then the number eight in itself was is a, an important number in Montreal. It's been worn by one Patrice Bernier, and it's been worn by Safir Tider more recently. Uh, you know, he and then what's great is how he can play multiple positions. He could play on the wing. He could play, as you said, number 10. Uh, and then, you know, I think what he brings as a number eight is probably what uh, Montreal is going to be looking at the most in, in terms of trying to complement uh, uh, the two defensive midfielders in, in Victor Wanyama and Sam Piet. Although Sam Piet uh, was playing a different role this last year more offensive role and then I, I see him dropping back a tiny bit more to going back on uh, on Georgia Mihalovic. Uh yes it did 
spend big, but I did like what uh, sporting director uh, Olivier Renard said about his acquisition. He said, you know, I spend a million bucks on uh, a 22-year-old Brazilian. I spend a million bucks on a 22-year-old um, Frenchman at uh, a number eight attacking midfield or creative midfield position. Everybody says I'm running away with a bargain. I spend a hundred. I spend a million bucks on an American in our own league. People are saying I'm spending too much. Uh, I, I did like that because I, I uh, you know, quite frankly, you know, he signed a new deal, which I think is more of a bridge deal, and mm-hmm. it really fits in the uh, CF Montreal mentality, in what uh, Olivier Renard wants to bring to this team, and it really um, resembles what he used to do in Belgium, and that's you know, bringing in players. Uh, you know that this one he did spend a bit on it quite frankly uh, a lot of them he didn't spend a lot of money on but the idea is to spend low and to sell high to get young players develop them in-house make them I don't know if you want to call them stars or at least you know prominent youngsters in this in the uh, in in MLS and then selling them to I don't know a Belgium a France a you know, England or whatever, Italy, because of the partnership with Bologna. So you got that sense that uh, Mihailovic maybe, and and he, he did, he he didn't lie. He probably sees himself playing in Europe in you know three to four years, and like maybe that's the window. You know, uh, trying to bring in a, an an attacking creative type to this team that needed an attacking creative type in the in midfield because you know Victor Wanyama is not gonna necessarily going to do that at. 29 he's not going to have the legs that a Georgia Mihalovic has right. but uh yeah it's it's definitely an added um an, an added asset because uh Safir Tider didn't really do this for Montreal and he admitted him he admitted it himself he's not a box to box he's not at number 10 he was uh he was a defensive midfielder a holding mid that was helping out playing in a t- in an attacking role and now you have a guy in George Mihalovic that's one young two um has ambition to go elsewhere which fits in the mentality and can play that creative attacking role so i think it's a win-win yeah like you said um you know they're bringing in young players to kind of hopefully sell on for for a bigger fee than what they spent um, obviously a guy like Lewis Banks is somebody you guys brought in from Spurs what a year or two ago now sold on to Bologna, but kind of have back on loan this season, um, who I actually rate really highly. I think Binks is a, is a great center back or a great young center back, uh, especially with an MLS. Um, another guy like Mustafa Kiza, who's here, he's, I think he's 20 or 21. Um, and so I, I'm assuming then just kind of with these signings and, and, and a few other kind of international signings that, you know, Montreal are, are kind of looking to to follow in suit with everybody else, maybe not everybody else just yet, but with the majority of MLS in terms of let's get these young, prospective South Americans, maybe not all of them are South American from Montreal, but somebody like Joaquin Torres, um, so to speak, you know, bring these guys in, see what they can do for a year or two, and then see, you know, what we can get for them after that two, three-year period. Yeah, kind of loaded question, but uh, I'll I'll try and break it down as much as I can. Uh, Joaquin Torres to me is the biggest crapshoot in this bunch. Uh, <laughs> like it's a high upside, but also high risk. Uh, I don't know what that guy's gonna bring. What I do know 
is that uh, Olivier Renard, when he was sporting director at Standard Liège, uh, was looking at him. So he, he's been on his radar for a while. Um, when it comes to Louis Binks, uh, yeah, th- that guy's a nerd. That guy watches a lot of Bologna because he wants to be on Bologna next year. And, um, you know, at 19, and that was the thing with Louis Binks, he's 19 or last year he was 18, but he plays like he's 26, mm-hmm. um, had a bit of a iffy last part of his season was benched in one of the last games by Thierry Henry to kind of shake him up. And, it, and you, you saw that he took the message like he, he's a mature individual. So that's, um, really important. And I was speaking with him. He had a zoom press conference, um, like last week. And I was asking him what his, uh, what his ambitions were. And he said, um, ideally I want to, I want to have a team of the season year. So, uh, and last year when I spoke with him for, uh, for, for his introductory article, uh, he said he wanted to be rookie of the year. So, you know, this guy, uh, has big ambitions, uh, mm-hmm. which is good. It's, it, you know, he's probably not going to be selected by the English national team, but he's also eligible for Scotland. So, you know, maybe he's looking into, you know, the big, uh, aspects and you might be joining his uh, Scottish uh, teammate uh, Thomas Hickey at, at Bologna sooner rather than later. I think he's going to spend a full season in Montreal. But uh, I think he is going to be a tremendous, like a big part of the squad. And then you were talking about uh, a guy like Mustafa Kisa. I really liked what he brought last year in the few games that he's played. Uh, he uh, had so much troubles getting out of Uganda trying to get a visa to come here to Canada to play. It was, uh, it was a mess. It was an absolute mess what happened. And uh, he finally left, got to play uh, on like no training. And in the last game, he, uh, I believe it's the game against New England. No, it's the game before that. The game that qualified uh, against DC, the game that qualified the, the then impact for the playoffs. He created what ended up being the winning goal uh, on like almost no training. So like I'm really excited to see what he can bring. And then you add a lot of um, a lot of uh, versatility to the to the back line. A guy like Kamal Miller, who I'm told is already a leader at 23, and he just came in. Uh, and then you had uh, Zoran Basson, who is um, a guy who played in uh, in the youth clubs in in Quebec. He played in Longueuil, uh, you know, made a name for himself, and then may and then uh, went to Belgium. And now uh, he's he went, he played for Cercle Bruges or Club Bruges. I never know which one of the Bruges for, but he, he now now he's back. He can play left back. He can play he can play right back. That's going to help a lot. When it comes to all of the international duties, he's actually uh, in Olympic qualifying. So a lot of new players, a lot of young, a lot of promising and, uh, you know, a lot of players that can play multiple positions. So that's going to help a lot. Yeah, um, obviously, perhaps more than any transfer, the biggest story coming out of Montreal this uh, on a league wide scale uh, this offseason was uh, Thierry Henry stepping down. Uh, I believe he cited personal reasons. Uh, for you know resigning his post as manager what has the you know the reaction of that been and you know what does that mean for the team in terms of uh Thierry Henry's departure 
I mean, like, it's a bit two-tone. There's a, it was a shock. It was a shock, but I mean, but internally, like, if you ask me for my personal opinion, I wasn't surprised because, you know, this, this team spent a full year almost in the U.S., they couldn't co- they couldn't come back to Canada and every time they did come back they had to quarantine and they couldn't train and it was it took its toll on literally everyone on the team going from uh from Thierry Henry to the backup keeper to the people in the the staffers that joined the photographers the you know PR department like everybody like it took its toll it was a tough tough year and uh Near the end of the last season, I believe it was um, I believe it was Kevin Gilmore, the president of the of then Impact, said that like he hadn't you know Thierry Henry hadn't seen his family in over two hundred and fifty days, which that's crazy. Like that, like you know, if you're someone that has a family, like that's I I don't have a family, and I or like and I I have no idea what it's like, and I can like feel how bad it can be. So when it became obvious that the Impact and the two other Canadian clubs were going to have the same treatment, basically live out of a hotel for a year, um, he he did come back to Montreal to prep the season then had to go back to London. And it was then that, uh, I don't know what happened, but it was, it was family reasons. He needed to be closer to his family, which everybody understood. I don't know, like no one complained here. Uh, and then it was just, okay, what, what are we going to do? And then they named uh, Wilfred Nancy who uh, is, uh, if you guys want to talk about it more, we can talk about it more, but, you know, an inside hire who has the respect of everybody on the on the team and uh, is uh, hopefully going to uh, bring in the same mentality than uh, what Thierry Henry would bring. Well, Tristan, you kind of stole, like, my touchdown call there, if you will, because I was going to ask you, like, what should we – what should we expect from him? But it sounds like it's going to be more the same of what uh, what Montreal saw under Thierry Henry. So I guess from you know, for my question here is: Is it business as usual with this club, or is there going to be you know, let's take a step back under Wilfred Nancy and kind of reevaluate some things and go from there, or is it going to be hey, it's playoffs or bust this year? We had to you know they finished what they were the. Uh, ninth seed in the east last uh, last season is you know is saputo expect them to build off of last year maybe you know finish higher up in the table in the eastern conference this season well i'll tell you that much wilfred nancy signed a one-year deal with options and one of the options is make the playoffs and you automatically get a second year so <laughs> so that tells you one thing but uh, um, one thing I'm, I'm, you know, I've known because I covered the academy before covering the impact, and I I did speak a little bit with with uh, Wilfred Nancy, who is is soft spoken. He spoke like twice in like the four years I covered the impact. Uh, but I'm really excited for the you know greater population to learn more about Wilfred Nancy because I think he's a very intelligent man a very uh, a guy with a very high soccer iq and 
you know, you know, a lot of people are probably going to say he's a player's coach, uh, but I, you know, I, I really cannot wait to see what his head coaching career is going to look like uh, because he's he's a he's a guy that came in. He, you know, had a very forgettable career as a player in France and then um, immigrated to Canada uh, was uh you know he he moved to canada and then stayed because he married into canada if you get what i'm saying uh and then uh became a part of the montreal impact academy when it started and he learned from one of the most intelligent soccer brains in montreal and in, in former academy director philippe Eulafroy. Uh and that's where he gets his soccer knowledge although like i'm, I'm not going to say that he wasn't a very intelligent man before but he did learn the craft with the kids that are now part of the first team and then uh he got he, he got a promotion as an assistant coach under Mauro Biello and then he basically did the assistant gig he learned under Mauro Biello learned under Remy Gald learned under Wilmer Cabrera learned under Thierry Henry and now he gets to apply everything that he learned throughout his time at the academy and learning uh, from all of these head coaches to this squad that is one young, which is what he likes because he said he said it himself. Like at the end of his career, he's going back to academies because he wants to coach the kids. Uh, two has a high potential. Like this, no one's really expecting much from this team uh, because of a flurry of reasons. But still, so. He gets to coach and he gets to basically take on what Thierry Henry couldn't take on because of family reasons. He, 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 we're not going to see a totally different squad. We're not going to see a totally different philosophy. We're going to see Wilfred Nancy kind of springboard onto everything that was put in place. So will it be an easy job? No, it won't be. But he's coming in, first of all, he's coming in with 100% respect from every player on that team. And... He's basically going to be that guy, and he's he's he said he said it to us uh, in his in his introductory press conference. He is there to help the players express themselves to the fullest of their potential. And we're, I mean, I'm looking at this squad right now. There's a lot of young, you know, late teens, early twenties. You know, this team is crying for a guy that can, you know, really get the best of the potential of the players. And if that guy can make it. I think that's a win-win, and um, you know, while he's not well known, uh, while this team might not get like worldwide attention because of a guy like Thierry Henry's leaving, at least they'll have a guy that knows how to um, at least like you know work with young players, which this team is filled to the brim with. Now, Tristan, you know, you touched on this a little bit earlier, and and obviously it would. Be absolutely excited to see uh, Wolford kind of bring the the best out of these young players. Is there any chance that you know they're going to be playing in Montreal at some point this season, or does it look kind of unlikely, like it was last year, where they had to move into the U.S. to play out their games? Well, right now they're playing in Fort Lauderdale. They're they're going to play at least the first part the first part of the season there, which is a bit ironic because the second biggest Kitakaw population in the world is in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> So, you know, it's it's like little Quebec. It's like a consolation prize. 
but um you know the the premier uh, of uh, of Quebec which is um how can i put that into americans i guess the governor the equivalent of the governor is the governor okay. the, the guy that runs the states yes okay so the gov like the equivalent of the governor in Quebec uh, had a press conference uh, earlier last week and he said that he would want uh, he expects to have the people of Quebec have their first doses of the vaccine by June 24th which is a big deal here in Quebec because June 24th is Saint Jean Baptiste day which is the uh, I guess the national holiday for Quebec mm. Um, so June 24th, if you can have people vaccinated by June 24th, which, um, I believe for the second dose, it would be like mid July. If you can get by the end of July, people, enough people vaccinated for the Canadian government to open the borders. That means that you can see a future where the second half of the season is played in Montreal. And that would be massive for this team. On the mental aspect, you could see this team make a big, big run. If they come back, they play home, and there's fans in the stadium, yeah, this team could be for real. Um, that said, it'll all depend on how bad it becomes in Florida. Because, one, you're playing in Florida, which is not Montreal. And uh, second of all, you got a rebrand that gave this team a full black home kit and you're going to play in the summer months in Florida. I don't know, but uh, I probably would have stalled that a bit or probably, you know, we might see, we might see the gray lighter colored kit in like July in Florida or June in Florida. Cause I hear it, you know, it gets, it gets really humid in Montreal just because of where the water is and the Island and how it's placed Uh, because, yeah, for some of you who don't know, Montreal is an island. Um, but in Florida, it gets really humid. So I don't know. Uh, but I, it's like loses le like uh, the least amount of points you could lose in the first half of the season and then hope that the vaccine rollout, which has been really stalling in Quebec, I, I gotta admit, um, hopefully it gets better and then we can see. You know, we can see maybe a you know a Montreal-Toronto game in like the Canadian Championship, in in you know the later months of the year in Canada. It would be awesome. And, and Tristan, I've, we would be remiss if we didn't ask this: uh, the rebrand. Um, so they changed their name from Montreal Impact to uh, Club de Foot Montreal or CF Montreal, uh, going with that more European sounding name uh give us um first of all what are your thoughts on the on the rebrand and what has been the the fan base's overall thoughts on it uh i i you know one of our hosts steven jodoran he really likes the rebrand now if you ask me i mean i could kind of whatever it is what it is i guess I, i wasn't a big fan of montreal impact the name and the look of that i'm not necessarily a massive i, I mean it, it's it's fine the look is okay i don't really care all that much like what What are your what are your thoughts and what are the, what have been like the fan base's thoughts on this this new look for uh, Montreal soccer? Okay, how much time do we have, guys? Like for real? Like <laughs> I can I can uh, where where do you guys want me to start? Okay, so uh, 
How much do you guys know? Like, I uh, I know I'm like answering with a question, but I I, I do want like, okay. Let me let me give you the analogy that I gave uh, when it first came out, uh, and that's just me speaking from the heart. Like that's just me. So CF Montreal and like the um, branding to attract a you know global audience and you know make it more European and more attractive to you know make it less what is impact what what is that a you know ringette team or whatever. Um, okay. So that branding is like, remember when you guys went to high school and everybody was wearing the same pair of jeans because they looked really cool and you, you know, you bugged your mom and dad. You're like, buy me these jeans. They're cool. And then you finally got those jeans. But like everybody's at the school is wearing the same jeans. Like no one is being original, but everybody's being cool. I'm not, I'm not denying that everybody's being cool. Everybody's nice. Everybody's nice looking. Just no one standing out. That is CF Montreal to me. Now, Montreal Impact to me is like going to Foot Locker or something and buying a pair of bright yellow Chuck Taylors. Um, you're going to stand out. You go to school. You find them awesome. But you go to school and people are like, what the hell is this guy wearing? Like what's like? Why are you wearing bright yellow shoes? You're you look like a clown. What's going on? What, but you're like, you know what? I'm just owning those bright yellow Chuck Taylors. I really like those shoes. And then you just keep wearing them until one day your friends in high school are like, damn! Like I get why you're wearing those bright yellow Chuck Taylors now. They look dope. I don't know what happened. Like from one. From one day to another, but your your shoes look awesome, man. And then that's that's Montreal Impact to me. Uh, and then I'll let you I'll let you you know guess what type of person I was in high school. Uh, but yeah, that to me was was kind of the rebrand, and uh, you know it's still very much a contested issue. And we're in like late March, and the rebrand was in January. You still have a lot of people that on Twitter will take every opportunity at every post the club makes to take a shot at them because they don't like the rebrand. And then you got people that like really like the rebrand. Um, but uh, a lot of people, you know, like the, the, the club is going to say, or a lot of people are going to say uh, the people that don't like the rebrand are, very a very loud minority because they're this club has a cult following in Montreal, but it's never going to be at the heel of what the Montreal Canadiens machine is over here. Like, I don't know, I can't compare any market in North America that has such a big lopsided interest level for one team to another. You know, maybe I don't know. I, I'm not fam I'm not that familiar with Dallas Fort Worth and how big the Cowboys are. Like to to like in the, the, the in terms of my, the other teams. The Cowboys but were my like, thought on that too, by the way, Tristan. That that was a team I thought of. Okay, the Cowboys. So so like, but but the people here, like the people that love their impact, love their impact. But the problem is, 
there wasn't enough because or or at least it wasn't uh widely spread enough because uh since Didier Drogba left there hasn't been a full house and you know not only are we a very Montreal Canadian city we're a crazy bandwagon city like <laughs> it's just ridiculous like we're going to get we're going to pack 60,000 people at Olympic Stadium to watch the Impact play against David Beckham. But then when the Champions League rolls out against Club Olympia, when it's really important to get this team and I'm talking about like last year, you know, like 20 like March 2020, like the last game, the last soccer game that was played in front of fans in Montreal was a Champions League game and like dude, like we we were like so into the Champions League when the impact went in the finals, right? Uh, when it was really important for uh, for this team to be supported by, you know, the crowds that we know we can bring in Montreal, there was like 25,000. And let me tell you, 25,000 people in Olympic Stadium in the cavernous. I don't know if you've like watched like Expo's game back in the day or stuff. Like it feels dead. So, um, the, I guess the, the, the rebrand was the idea to like bring in more people, but a lot of people are, are, are saying that they did it not in the right way, that it was a, you know, kind of a cash grab way and no one or not, n the fans weren't necessarily consulted, uh, and that the history is kind of vanished. Uh, on my, I, I made like a full on podcast. Like I did a whole episode of the scrum with that. And like, I, I did a full on rant for like 20 minutes about this of like what I think were the big, uh, things, but there's like one of the big marketing holes. And then like, I'll speak to the soccer fans here, uh, is that like the, the big marketing guy, the guy that like the brainchild of that rebrand, the logo and everything. He was saying that they they changed the colors from blue to black, and that the black was was uh, it stood for the expression being in the black, and to like make profit, which a lot of people were like like yo this this is kind of whack, and like uh, and then later on in like the him explaining was one of the inspirations for the for the, the logo and the rebrand was FC St. Pauli, the team in uh, Germany, who's like the most like anti-profit, like, you know, like anti just, you know, uh, you know, big social movement and stuff. And so like, to me, it feels like, yeah, there was like some good parts, but like at the end, like there was like a lot of holes in like the way they did it. Um, it definitely died down a little bit, but you still see like there's some like just to give you an example, like I I retweeted something that the um, it, the the CF Montreal Foundation, which is still called the Montreal Impact Foundation because of paperwork. They're going to do this like mini pitch for kids in like a city outside of Montreal, which I think is great because they're like branching out of Montreal, which is a thing that this club like always had difficulty doing and i was like oh this is awesome like they're branching out like they're going to you know they're doing cool stuff and then people just like 
poked fun at how the the foundation was still called Montreal Impact. Like a lot of people were like, "Yo, like you're you're are you a mouthpiece for the club now? What's going on? Like why is like?" And then you had like uh, at the stadium they changed the logo and the logo was tagged. Like there was a good, people made graffiti on the new logo. Like there's still very much an animosity and an angst towards it. And I think the COVID and the fact that there's not fans is like almost a bit of a blessing because if there were to be a first game in front of fans, I probably think the ultras would be seeing an impact until minute 90, you know? So it's a big deal. Um, and it'll maybe go unnoticed outside of Montreal. It definitely got noticed in Toronto because People in Toronto made a lot of fun of Montreal, but the worst thing and the, not the worst thing, but like the, like the most special thing, a thing I've never seen in my entire life as a Montreal, uh, Montreal soccer observer, journalist supporter was that Toronto FC fans made fun of the, the rebrand and then impact fans or Montreal fans were supporting the Toronto fans and making fun of Montreal. It was the like most odd two months guys. Like we're, we're coming out the other end, like, like thankfully, but there's been so much stuff, so much drama. And like, you know, honestly guys, like if you want to follow the most soap opera team in the world, like the impact or CF Montreal is like a really good choice. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know what you got. What do you guys think of the rebrand? Well, personally, I, I kind of saw the you know my logic was, I think the logo looks cool, but is it was it necessary? I thought you know what they had going you know as a you know entirely neutral you know perspective. I thought what they had going is pretty cool. I thought the impact name was good. I liked the logo as it was. So even if it's a cool you know logo in my opinion, was it really necessary? And I know, you know, it's been divisive. I know, you know, some of the, the, the more, more hardline impact fans are not pleased, as you mentioned, with this. Um, but overall, I'm, I just didn't really see the need for a change. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's it was it was uh, because like the 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 reason this team is called the impact, by the way, I don't know if you guys know, but in 92, when the Saputo family made up this team. There was a lot of different names, like Inter was a, was one. Uh, they, I don't remember all of them. Dynamo was one, I think. Uh, and then, like, the Saputo family was like, you know what? Like, sport of soccer, like, no one really supports it. Like, it's always, like, little, like, it was It was a very, you know, I don't want to say it the wrong way, but it was very ethnic sport. Like, a lo- like we owe a big deal of gratitude to the Italian community in Montreal, and now it's like really being picked up by like, you know, Northern Africans and like a lot of Europeans that came in and like what they wanted to do was to make an impact in the community. So they named the team the Montreal Impact and like a lot of a lot of it. And like, uh, you know, we're in a landscape where and we're not going to go into that because that's going to take forever. But in the landscape where there's no promotion and relegation around here, like this team went from like dirt, nothing. This team like had to get a government bailout. Like the team became a nonprofit because it was going to go bankrupt. 
and somehow they're in MLS. Like it's like to me, it feels like, you know, almost like a not a Leicester City, but like, you know, when you play like FIFA career mode or football manager and you take this team from like division five and bring it up into the Premier League, like that feels like what it happened with the impact. And a lot of people um, were kind of robbed of that. Like there was so many big deals that happened in Montreal. Like we had like we were playing in the when in like a like a community center for a long time, and uh, at one point they started building Statsaputo and people around here. I still remember. I was like, "Yo, they're building a soccer stadium in Montreal. What?" Like, this is crazy. And then uh, Marco DeVaio came in. And then Alessandro Nesta came in. And then Didier Drogba played in Montreal. Like, that is still, like, the most surreal thing. And, like, a lot of people with that rebrand think that a lot of this is not going to, you know, kind of follow through. Because, you know, uh, you know a, a, one, another thing, like, when, um, when Thierry Henry left the the social media post had a photo of him and he was wearing this impact jacket and they had uh, photoshopped the impact logo off. And I remember getting asked that question like on live radio uh, about like, Oh, well, what do you think of that? And like, was that like a, uh, like a lack of respect to the fans and stuff like people still take this super seriously. So I'm really interested to see how, this is going to go how this is going to evolve because you know as we know in in mls like there's a lot of uh stuff that like the kits and all of those things are done like you know a year or two in advance so like what are they going to do in a full season if a lot of the supporters groups because a lot of the supporters groups say that they uh, they've opposed to it first off and they've said that they're going to show their um opposition to the rebrand throughout the season so i'm like it's still an ongoing thing like we might like we might be able to do another one of those rebrand discussions like in a year from now so it's going to be really interesting to see how one it dims down how it gets accepted in the full community because there's a lot of people here in montreal that like hated the impact because they were never as professional as the Canadians. They were never as professional. Like some people like the Alouettes, the Canadian football team better than, than the impact. So like, are they going to be drawing those people in? Because if they do, and then we end up having full houses every game, that is a win. So it'll be very interesting to see how that rebrand aftermath develops because this stuff is, it's not short term. It's going to be, we're going to be monitoring this for another year, year and a half. All right. So one last question, uh, kind of a running segment we have on the podcast is we like to ask everyone uh, we bring on to preview a team to give a bold prediction before the season. You know, just anything you have, you know, in your gut that you think might happen that probably wouldn't be considered a, you know, an ordinary uh, you know, an ordinary prediction of the team. So, you know, what what's kind of your gut feeling? What's your gut prediction for this Montreal team? Oh wow! Oh, I wasn't expecting that. That's a great that's a great curveball. Um, you guys are really going to see Bjorn Johnson uh, rack up the goals this year. 
I've I've been talking with him. Like this guy's like uh you know I'm that's the one thing. Well, not one because there's many reasons why I would like this you know this team to play in Montreal but in front of fans. But you know I got a good feeling with this guy. I feel like he you know you were talking to this guy kind of like. You know, one of those guys that like has been through some stuff and that like finally came out the other side and is like kind of, you know, going to, uh, you know, kind of, you know, he's back where he's born. He's back where he was born in North America. And like he finally gets to like settle down and he's going to get a kid in July. And this team is filled with great young uh, fullbacks or wingbacks that can cross and the guy's 6-4. So and he's like the only player that's like more than six foot two and has the opportunity to, you know, score goals. And he's got number nine in his back. So I think my bold prediction is uh Bjorn or Bjorn Jansen uh, is is going to be one of the if not top ten, maybe top five goal scorers in MLS. That's a bold prediction, guys. Yeah. Top five, top five goal scores in MLS. Bjorn Johnson, that's huge. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Score. Uh, yeah, we we we've been missing one in Montreal since Didier Drogba, and he knows uh, that Didier Drogba is the last like goal scorer. So yeah, that's my prediction. Well, there you have it, Tristan. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and providing all the uh, insights on CF Montreal. Tell our listeners where we can find your work and where we can follow you on Twitter. Yeah, I'm uh, at uh, Tristan Damour on uh, on Twitter. I am, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to be covering this team as much as I can. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a free agent right now, so uh, whoever wants to hire me, uh, go right ahead. But uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun in Montreal. Hopefully, we get to see them back in Montreal but uh yeah a lot of question marks which that's always nice for a journalist is uh filling up those question marks uh so that's gonna be fun awesome well thanks again Tristan it's been a blast thanks for the invite guys Thanks again to Tristan Damore of the Scrum Podcast and IMFC Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at Tristan Damore. Now, guys, um, the rebrand was a hot topic button there as uh, uh, Tristan kind of divulged a little bit uh, about the the entire rebrand from Montreal Impact to uh, CF Montreal. I mean, Justin, I don't think we heard your takes on the rebrand do you like it? Do you love it? Do you hate it? What What are your general thoughts on uh, on the topic that is the rebrand? I mean, I personally like the the badge. Um, I I'm kind of with you in the I could care less about the name. I, I guess like it takes away the MLSE part of, of of the team, and that it's kind of one of those um, oddball names, so to speak. Or as Tristan was kind of telling us, like. The history behind the usage of the word impact um, obviously has a deeper rooted meaning to the community of Montreal um, than just like it sounding cool. Um, but I, I personally have no issue with it. I also tend to be in like the minority with a lot of this stuff. Like I know 
U.S. soccer Twitter and MLS Twitter kind of go nuts when when expansion teams drop their their badges and their kits and stuff. Um, and it's like it's either the ugliest thing on the planet or it's the best thing on the planet. And like I don't know when I look at most of them, kind of like, all right, like I'm okay with it. I, I don't know. I'm 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 sort of indifferent, but I, I I like the I like the badge at least. And uh, and JJ, it sounds kind of it sounds like he was talking about the Wilfred Nancy contract situation. Obviously, he's replacing uh, Thierry Henry. He mentioned that he does have a one year contract with options after the first year. With one of them being, if he makes the playoffs, he's automatically I don't know vested is the right word vested or exercise like exercises uh, the option for next year. Uh, so it kind of sounds like Wilfred Nancy is almost on a trial year, does it not? Yeah. I mean, from everything I've heard around him, the it's a positive hire. You know, obviously, when you look inside the team, you know, it's always kind of a, a, a drawback because, you know, you, you've seen very successful internal promotions before, but you've also seen, like, Chris Armas, who got promoted from Jesse Marsh's uh, administration and then kind of put out, you know, what, you know, it, it was what you expected or what you could have expected, which was a half-baked version of Marsh's successful system that didn't end up succeeding. So... Everything, but everything I've heard from inside the administration, from you know, people who watch FC Montreal, people who've in, interacted with them, they, it's a positive hire. They like him. They think he's, you know, obviously a good coach, a very talented coach. And uh, they, you know, I know a lot of the common sentiment is they think he might be a bit more committed to the job long term than Thierry Henry ever was going to be. Yeah, it'll be uh, they'll be an interesting team to watch this season. You know, given that they're going to be playing. Uh, we don't even know how much of their season, whether it's half the season, all the season in the U.S. Will they be allowed to go back into Montreal as uh, as the vaccine for COVID nineteen is rolled be- rolled out in Quebec? Uh, they Toronto FC and uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps they'll kind of be an interesting case study in how they're going to be able to basically play away matches uh, for at least half, if not all the season. So it'll be kind of interesting to see where they fall in the standings once the season is all said and done. But that's it for today's show. You can follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. You can follow Justin at JustinSosa99. You can follow JJ Post at JJ Post. You can follow myself at Jake Watroba. And you can follow Stephen Jodoran at Stephen Jodoran. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And on YouTube, uh, we do live stream every Sunday night, so be on the lookout for that on our Twitter page. Usually we'll send out a tweet saying the time we will be live. Uh, for Justin and JJ, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you guys next time. Deuces. Deuces.